And so I just challenge all of you that are that are speakers of the word of God to understand the importance of walking with him. And the best messages you'll ever get is the messages you get while you living life. Because no matter where my body is, nobody can control my mind. Y'all know that, right? My mind can stay where I want my mind to stay no matter where I'm at. And those that keep their mind stayed on him, I don't care if I'm at work, my mind is still where it's going to be. No one can make you think anything. You can keep your mind stayed on him. You can think about fried chicken right now and nobody can control that. Prayerfully, that didn't initiate that. Amen. But it it's very well could be. Amen. That's the blessing in the kingdom because it is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And those are aspects of our existence that can't be controlled by outward stimulus. We control those at all times. Amen. And so we got we're entering into the kingdom because the kingdom governs the unseen part of man. Why the law can only tell men to do seen things. We, we're moving out of law in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. And so Matthew chapter 13 verse 24. Matthew chapter 13 verse 24. I want to share this. I'm going to read verses 24 through 30. We read it. I believe it was, was it last Wednesday or Sunday? We dealt with the parable of the, soul, the, the wheat and the tares. I think it was last Wednesday, wasn't it? All right, so we, we continue it. We, we're doing a continuation. Glory be to God. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. It says here, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Everybody say good seed. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares. Everybody say tares. Among the wheat. And went his way. Very, very key. He didn't just randomly sold the tares. He sold the tares where God sold the good seed or the wheat. That's important. Amen. He's trying to help us give us insight in the battles of the kingdom. The kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. Amen. But now keep in mind, these realities are unseen realities that he's using seen things to describe. What is happening is happening right now in the invisible realm. He's just using seen things so we can understand what's happening, though we can't see it with the natural eye. The kingdom of heaven is unseen, but it's very much real. Everybody following what I'm saying? And so now it says here, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, sir, Didst not thou sow good seed, everybody say good seed, in thy field, from whence then hath it tares? Verse 28, he said unto them, an enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Verse 29, key verse, but he said, nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my garner. Y'all see that? Father, we just thank you and bless you right now that you speak. 
um, in clarity today that the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of God would be active and moving in this place, O oh Lord God, to reveal unto us a deeper measure of the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts. Amen. We bless you and we thank you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of God. Matthew 13, verse number 24. I want to go back there and I'll go from there. I need to break down some pictures of these parables. And I need you to understand when God says one thing, he says multiple things. There are multiple meetings to one word when God speaks. I pointed out to you on Sunday that Jesus said one thing, but Luke and Mark heard two different things. Mark heard, be careful what you hear. Luke heard, be careful how you hear, right? Both, he didn't say two different things. He said one thing, but one word has multiple meanings, multi-dimension of meanings when the word says it. He says, this word is unto you and to those that shall believe me from afar off. A lot of people think Jesus actually confined his dialogue to biblical times. He knew that we would have computers back when he preached in biblical times. He knew we would have airplanes. He was not confined and didn't realize that was going to happen. He's alpha and omega. And so now we think that we have to confine what the Lord was saying to the culture that he was raised in, not understanding he was not just speaking about the culture he was raised in. He, we think that he can't mean certain things because back then they didn't even have cars. Back then, but he knew we were going to have cars. Back then they didn't have airplanes. But he knew that there were going to be airplanes. So he was speaking to generations ahead even though he was speaking to that culture some people now confine themselves from understanding the revelation of the word because they're trying to say well what did he mean in that culture he was speaking to every generational culture at the same time amen if we don't get that then we'll get one meaning and think we got it and we'll miss the multiple dimensional meanings of one word if it means that, it can still mean something else. We're God's bride and God's son. We're his body too. We're his bride, his body, his son, and his army. All at the same time. Amen? We're his church too. Amen? We're multiple things at the same time. If I don't believe I can be his body, well, how can I be his body and his bride? How can I be his bride and his army? Amen? All at the same time. So I just want to deal with that so we won't confine ourselves to one way we saw the dimensions of God, the meaning of the word in its dimensions. There's different dimensions to the word of God. Amen. So we can open up. Now, if you look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, it says another parable put he forth unto them, saying the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Everybody say good seed. I need you to understand the meaning of good seed. Good seed is God's seed, which in type is God's promises. Good seed is God's seed because God is the only one that's good. When he says sow good seed, he's talking about sowing God's seed, which in, in typifies God's promises because God is the only one that's good. God's promises produce by being planted in our heart just like seed produces by being planted in the ground. That's what he's saying. 
We don't get promises by waiting on them to fall out of the sky. They got to be planted. And if they can stay in our hearts like seed can stay in the ground, we can see the bearing of the promise just like we'll see the fruit come out of the ground. He's trying to help us understand how his promises work by using the seed. Everybody follow what I'm saying? Amen. Good seed is God's seed because there is none good but God. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed. Everybody say good seed. Good seed, God's goodness into his field. He sowed God's promises. Do you understand all of God's promises are yes and amen to the glory of God? Every promise of God is good. There is no, he's the only one that is good and he's nothing but good. I know the thoughts that I think of you, thoughts of good and not evil to give you an expected end. If it's not good right now, it ain't the end because God is too good to let it end bad. He's nothing but good. He sowed good seed. Is it bad for you right now? You need to get excited. That means it can't be the end. Because everything has to end good in God. Don't end it while it's bad. You're going to end before the ending. Everybody follow what I'm saying? He sowed good seed into his field. God is nothing but good. Come on, somebody shout, he's good. The enemy comes, watch this, and sows tear among the wheat. Why? Why does the enemy come to sow tares among the wheat? Y'all got to catch this. Tares embody the enemy's attempt to pervert God's goodness. He sowed what? Good seed. Where, where the enemy sees that God is proving he's good, he now sows tear in the places that God has planted good because he wants to pervert God's goodness in our eyesight. Everybody following that? Good seed is God's seed, and God's seed is God's promises, which are all good. Everybody say, all good. Wherever there is a promised planet of God's good, the enemy will sow tares. Tares' purpose is to get us to reject what's good or at the least be skeptical of God's goodness. When we begin to question how good God is, we will not carry the necessary fuel to trust God. Our trust is based on knowing he's good. If I can sow tares over his goodness, I start questioning God's goodness. Everybody following what I'm saying? I want to break down this parable. Matthew 13, verse 27. Look what it says happens. When enemy sees God so goodness, he says, let me put tares in with the goodness. So Matthew 13, 27 says, so the servants of the householder. Everybody say servants of the householder. Came and said to the householder, him, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Why are there tares with the goodness? Who is Jesus? Who is the householder? Jesus. Jesus owns the house. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He typifies the householder and the servants of the householder. Guess who they are? Me and you. We are the servants of the householder. The servants of the householder are the servants of Jesus. So now, not only are, do you have people questioning God's goodness, but you have his servants questioning it. I thought your seed was good. I thought your promises were good. Why 
are all these tares in with the wheat? Didn't you say the seed you sown was good? Tares cause us to question God's goodness. Y'all following what I'm saying? Please get this because this has everything to do with the goodness we've experienced and the gushing goodness that's on the way. We've seen goodness and it's increasing, but we're about to see gushing goodness in ever increasing measures as we understand the goodness of God. And we understand this parable. If we don't understand these parables, we won't understand any of the parables. That's what Jesus told his disciples. The entire understanding of the kingdom hinges on understanding these parables in greater dimensions. Amen. Anywhere God plants his goodness, the enemy will try to plant tares with his goodness to cause us, amen, me and you, his servants to question his goodness or even in some cases reject his goodness. Tares assignment, watch this, this is so key, is to pervert the purpose of God's goodness, which causes God's people to not fully accept all of his goodness. Can I, can I break that down for you? Because prosperity, everybody say prosperity. Prosperity is wheat. That's good seed. I would that you would prosper and be of good health. Prosperity is wheat, is good seed. The tear that the enemy sows in with the wheat of prosperity is the love of money, selfish ambition, and, and prosperity for the sake of worldly pleasure. When the enemy sows the tear of love of money, selfish ambition, amen, with the good seed of prosperity, God's servants see the tear of selfish ambition and love of money and say, I thought prosperity was good seed. Oh, I need y'all to catch this because we end up tearing up our, our good seed because of the tears. We end up rejecting our promise because of the tears. So now we begin to see the goodness of God's prosperity out of a skewed or skeptical view. Please hear me. That causes us to reject some of God's goodness by way of prosperity to avoid the tear of the love of money and wind up not prospering in God's intended measure. Why? Because I thought that was good seed and I see preachers prostituting money. I see preachers prostituting sowing and reaping. So I'm not going to mess with it. And when I now reject it because of the tear, the only reason why the tear showed up was because it was good seed at first and the enemy doesn't want me to get all the good God has planted for all oh, y'all miss what I'm saying. Uh, all the good God has planted for my life prosperity isn't evil it's actually good seed right praise is wheat it's good seed because God inhabits the praises of his people. The tear the enemy sows in with the good seed of praise is the soulish act of using praise to, as a coping mechanism to keep me from losing my mind. See, now when I see praise used as a coping mechanism and not to glorify God, I look back at God and say, I thought praise was good seed. Why are all these people who are not delivered trying to 
dance just so they can cope for two more days. I thought, so now what happens is we pull back from praise, but praise is actually good seed. It is the means by which God inhabits the praises of his people and now moves in the glory of God. Anywhere God plants his goodness, the enemy will plant tares in with his goodness to cause us to either question God's goodness or not fully enter into God's goodness. Wow. Ain't that something? Now, there, there comes a time, a lot of people say, well, see, I should have jumped on the prosperity boat. But no, 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 no. Revelation comes progressively and in levels. If you don't know the wickedness of prostituting prosperity, you will, you will then not understand how to control it. Right. Amen? If you don't understand the devastations, of, I was always a praiser, but you used to praise so you wouldn't lose your mind. And that's foolishness. You don't praise so you don't lose your mind. You should praise because you keep your mind stayed on him. And he kept you in perfect peace. We don't praise not to lose our mind because in actuality, we should have already lost it. We have the mind of Christ. Come on, I wish somebody here would talk to me. Amen. And so now when I see the tear, the tear of that soulish act of praise, I begin to pull back from praise, not understanding that Praise is a part of my promise. That's a part of the promise of God for my life. That as So now my praise has strength, restraints on it that it should not have. Amen. But I need to, now please understand the progression of God before I go on. I need to understand the pitfalls of praise. So now, because if I don't, then I can't tell the wheat from the tear. Amen. Obviously, those people that those servants that looked and said that's wheat and that's tear went through a season where they learned the difference. Amen. Amen. But then there comes a time after you learn the difference, you don't back up from praise. No, 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 no. You fully embrace it, even though, you know, people are going to prostitute. Because that's a part of God's promise. It's good seed. Come on. Somebody say praise is good. Prosperity is good. Success is good. God said, I'll give you good success. All these things. See, now we're entering into a season where we've learned the difference between wheat and tear. And we can no longer focus on trying to tear out all the tear. Because if we do, we will never get the, the complete full measure of the promise. He sold good seed. The enemy sold tear. Now, now, watch this. Matthew chapter 13, verse 27. I want to show you this. It's, it's pretty profound. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 27, it says here, So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then came it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. If we attempt to get out all the influences that are perverting the purposes of God's promises, we ourselves will never fully apprehend God's promises. 
We can't get, there are always going to be people that provoke prosperity. That doesn't mean God's people are not supposed to prosper. There are always going to be people that make praise a show, but that doesn't mean God didn't call his people to praise. There comes a time when we got to understand we can't continue to deal with that. We'll never get the full measure of the promise that because before they perverted it, the only reason why they perverted it is because God promised it. And, and the enemy knew that the righteous, glory be to God, would refuse. The enemy will use the righteous own zeal against them, zeal without knowledge to keep them from entering into full promise. Everybody follow what I'm saying? So, 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 so now, or we'll use the lack of our understanding of the progressive nature of God. So we stand against praise and never fully entered into all the glory of praise. We stand against prostituting prosperity, but never fully entered into prosperity ourselves. Right? What we're standing against keeps us from getting what it is God intended for us to get to begin with. Amen. We must focus on possessing the promises, even though many are perverting the purpose for possessing those promises. And if we try to eliminate all those who are perverting the purpose for the promises, we ourselves, who are the rightful heirs to those promises, will not get them ourselves. We can't tear up all the tear. We'll destroy the wheat. And the wheat is good. Amen? Amen. We, if we get out all the tares, we'll tear up the wheat and we'll never enter into our full privilege as possessors of the promises of God. Amen? Come on. The promises, the wheat is greater than the tear. I need y'all to understand that in this season, where we're at right now, we need to understand now, we know the difference between wheat and tear. The wheat is greater than the tear. Now it's time for us to take our eyes off the tear and say it's time for us to get our wheat. Yes, Amen? Amen? Now watch this. By grace we're saved through faith and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. By grace we're saved, not by works of the law. That is wheat. That is good seed. That is not bad seed. That is good seed. But then you got those who now take the grace message that said, I'm no longer under the law to live lawless and stay in sin. And so now we spend all of our time saying, uh, preaching against people who are using grace to sin and never enter into the full promise of grace ourselves. We have not touched all of what grace promises yet, yet we're calling out people who are prostituting grace. So now in our stopping them from prostituting grace, it keeps us from ever entering into the full measure of grace. Do you understand the full measure of grace isn't you stop sinning? The full measure of grace is when none of the influences of sin ever have any dominion over you. When we enter into the full measure of grace, that means you will never spend another five minutes depressed for the rest of your life. When we enter into the full measure of grace, that means you'll never spend another five minutes discouraged for the rest of your life. For when we enter into the full measure of grace, that means you'll never get weary again another day in your life for the rest of your life. When we enter into the full measure of grace, that means you're going to lay your hands on your children. Not not go to Walgreens when we enter into the full measure. Yes, 
measure of grace, that means when you pray on Monday, it happens on Sunday. See, we're so busy trying to police those who are perverting grace, we haven't even entered into its full measure. Amen. The, please hear this is so key. The enemy purposely wants us to tear out all the tears of using grace as a means to sin. So we wind up destroying grace and never fully entering into the full measure of grace ourselves. We are living beneath our grace privilege right now. We have not fully apprehended grace. I don't sin like I used to. That's elementary grace. When we graduate in grace, we're going to be able to say the works that he did, I do. And even greater work. And, and until then, we have not fully apprehended grace. Because grace's purpose isn't to stop you from doing something. Grace's purpose is to give you access to do stuff everybody else cannot do. But if we continue to try to root up the, tra root up the tear, we'll never get all the grace that has been promised us. So he sows tear with wheat because he knows when we're righteous, come on, when we're John the Baptist, when we have a prophetic, we have a prophetic nature that says, uh-uh, I can't enjoy this before I deal with that. I can't enjoy this because they're going to keep on messing this up. And it's all a decoy of the enemy. The enemy knows that you know it's being prostituted and he knows you're going to pay more attention to the prostitution and never enter into the full measure of your promise. Right. Look at this. Matthew 13, verse 30. He knows you will, in trying to get out all the tear, tear up your own wheat. Matthew 30, verse 30. Matthew 13, verse 30. It says here, watch this. Let both grow together. Look what God says, because the, the servants say we need to get this up out of the church. We need to get this up out of prosperity. We need to get this up out of, of, of the, because the church is, is, is commercialized. We're trying to, to get people to come. We're not exalting the We need to get all this stuff out of the church. And God said, let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest. What is harvest? When does harvest come? When the fruit is fully matured. When the fruit is fully matured, then it's harvest. Full maturity speaks of full measure. Right. I need y'all to follow me for a minute. If I eat an apple before it's mature, I really don't get the full measure of that apple. If I now can't wait until harvest and I pick an apple when it's like this, I can eat it and benefit from it. But if I wait until harvest and it's like this, I now experience the full measure of what it was that apple was intended to be planted for. But when, see, what happens so many times is we eat grace when it's like this. We eat prosperity when it's like this. We eat breakthrough when it's like this. We eat anointing when it's like this. Because so many people are prostituting the anointing. But God said, no, let them grow together and wait for the full measure wait for the because until we get the full measure of God's promise we won't be able to deal with the tears do y'all hear what I'm saying we can't get half of God's promise and deal with tears we got to have the full measure of God's promise because right now right now all I can do with you is debate you about God and the kingdom I don't have full measure I have a measure 
but it ain't full measure. So I can debate you, but I can't say I can do this and you can't. Because I don't have full measure. Let them grow together until harvest. Because Jesus didn't say, look, I'm going to come and debate the Pharisees and Sadducees down. And that's how I'm going to prove that the Father sent me. Jesus said, the reason why you got to know that the Father sent me is because the works that I'm doing ain't no man doing. Glory be to God. Ain't nobody else working like this. Ain't nobody else operating like this. Because I have the full measure. Right now, we're just great debaters. But that ain't the full measure of the promise. Amen. There's more to it. And if we don't take our eyes off of debating with people and begin to run after the promises of God again, we'll never enter into the full measure of those promises. Amen. Amen. Everybody following what I'm saying? So, so what I need you to understand is um, when we focus more on who's perverting the promise than we do the promise itself, we are locked outside of entering into the fullness of that promise. In other words, we actually destroy our harvest before harvest time and at the same time misrepresent God's goodness all the while in the name of defending God. Right. We misrepresent God's goodness in the name of defending God. Amen. Because we, we now are so focused on the tares that we're trying to now pull up the tares before the wheat matures. Amen? Amen? Many times we can't harvest all of our grace and blessing because we tore it up trying to tear out all the bless me crowd that could care less about God. We spend so much time trying to tear out the bless me crowd that ain't got a relationship with God that we don't even enter into the full measure of God's blessing for our lives. The blessing of God is more important than the bless me crowd that's trying to prostitute it. At some point, we got to take our eyes off the bless me crowd that don't pray, don't read their word, come to church when they want to. We got to take our eyes and enter into the full measure of the blessing itself. Amen. Many times we can't harvest our prosperity because of all the people that are prostituting prosperity. You're supposed to be owning a business right now, but you see the tears and say, I don't want to look like that. You're supposed to be owning land right now, but you say, I don't want to look like that. You're so oh, glory be to God. You're supposed to be making $250,000 a year right now, but a part of you feels like if I do that, I don't want to look religious. I don't want to. Do you understand when you reject God's goodness, that is the growth form of pride how you gonna say you don't want it and God sold it God said I put the seed there and you telling me you don't want to prosper because you're humble no you don't want to prosper because you're prideful it was good seed it was God that planted it the worst thing we can do is I don't want to look prideful I said I wanted to lift you up I said I want to bless you above men I said I wanted to make you the head and not the tail. You gonna tell me I just want to be the tail? No, I, th I told you you're the head. I told you I'd give to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And for some strange reason, you think being a Christian means paying bills. When I never intended for you to live like that, but because of tear, right? Because of so many people who have taken that good seed and made money their God, you won't get what you have from God. Right. 
but no more. I'm telling you right now, we're entering into a glory where there's access to the promises of God. I'm talking about full measure. We're about to begin to touch the full measure of stuff that we've never seen before in our gatherings and in our people. I'm talking about a full measure where you begin to own multiple lots. You own multiple homes. Uh, glory be to God. We have people driving multiple hours for what's taking place in here. We're about to touch full measure. There's a full measure coming. God said, let it grow now. I don't need you. You've learned the difference between wheat and tear. Now go after the wheat. You've learned the difference between wheat and tear. Now get every promise. You've learned the difference between wheat and tear. Now stand on my word. You've learned the difference between wheat and tear. Now get everything that I told you I was going to do in your life. This is a time for the promises of God. I want to announce to you right now that every promise has been over you. Every promise has been in front of you. This time and in this season... And in this glory, it's in reach. It's in reach. It's in reach. Look at this. I'm going to show you this. Come on, somebody shout God's promises. That it's good seed. It is not evil. It's good seed. The devil just sold Ted there to get us from... For, for skewing the view of good seed. Amen. And now that we discern the difference between wheat and tear, now it's time for us to go after our wheat. Amen. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Go, no, put that slide up. I want to show you something. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to the name of Jesus. It is so now. It is so now. God said, Jeremiah, I'm getting to the point. While he's putting up that slide, I'm getting to the point, and I told the leadership, well, I'm beginning to feel favor with my five senses. I didn't know what has it's been happening now for, for over a year where there's times where I'll be going somewhere and I just start tingling. You know how you get goosebumps and you start to tingle and stuff? There'll be times where I'm about to do something and I feel it. Sometimes it happens before I preach. Sometimes it happens while I'm going out on business. And I couldn't figure out what it was, but every time I feel it, whatever I do next, it just happens in abundance. Amen. If, I, if it's before I preach, something breaks out that don't normally break out. If I'm in business, I just write stupid amounts of business. And God said, I'm not trying to train you how to feel favor. He said, I'm about to make favor so tangible in this house that you're going to start feeling when you have favor on you. Glory be to God. I need to talk to somebody up in here. God said, you're about to start feeling favor with your five senses, and I got to change your mind so you don't take that favor and try to do something normal with it. But I need you to go after your wheat when you feel the favor. Watch this. Matthew 13, verse 24 and 25. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Everybody say, but while men slept. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. To pervert what? God's good seed, his goodness. So it would be skewed in our eyes. Now, I want you to notice a parallel in Mark chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. It is not the same parable, but it's along the line, same lines with sowing seed. In Mark chapter 4, verse 26, it says, And he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. And should do what? 
sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how, right? We understand the good seed is the God seed and God's seed is God's promises and God's promises work by being planted in our heart, just like seed brings forth fruit by be plant, being planted in the what? In the ground. So, so now, notice the fact that both parables, Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 4, if you could keep those up for a minute. Notice the fact that both parables connect seed sowing with sleeping. Y'all know that? They, you notice the fact that both of them said they now sowed seed and then they went to sleep. Or we could say, then they did rest. Amen. After they got the seed sown, they rested. The seed was an indication that it was now time to sleep. Amen. Everybody follow what I'm saying? So why? Seeds are meant to give us sleep. Or, to, or in other words, to receive a seed is permission to enter into rest. Once I hear what God is going to do, I don't have to do anything after that but rest. Rest. I'm trying to help you understand something about the nature of the kingdom. Amen. And so now, after we get a good seed, we're supposed to get some good rest. Why are we supposed to get good rest after we get a good seed or a word, a promise from God? Please follow me. Because as believers, we recognize the word we heard in our ears operates out of the same palpability, out of the same nature, out of the same reality as a seed sown in the ground. A word in my ear is as good as a seed in the ground. He's saying you can rest after you get the seed because the word in your ear operates just like the seed in the ground. As long as that seed remains in the ground, it's just a matter of time before it brings forth fruit. As long as what I hear stays in my ear, it's just a matter of time before there's manifestation. So after I get the seed, I can now begin to rest you're not supposed to rest when it changes you're supposed to rest when God says it's changing you're not supposed to rest when when, when you hear there's a you're gonna get a break uh, when you get the breakthrough you're supposed to rest when you hear that God is the God of the breakthrough when we get a seed it's time to rest the reason why many of you are still in straits is because you don't rest off of seed God didn't already told you your marriage is blessed, but you won't rest. The seed is supposed to be an indication that rest is now possible if you believe it. Amen. We can sleep after we receive a seed. Somebody say, I'm about to go to sleep. No, watch this. I can rest. Mark 4 and, 27, 4 and 27. I'm trying to help us to understand how we're going to apprehend the promises of God. We ain't going to apprehend them if we don't understand these principles of the kingdom. Right. Glory be to God. And I'm going to show you why in a minute. Look at Mark chapter 4 verse 27. It says there, and should sleep and rise night and day. 
and should sleep and rise night and day. Seeds are meant to give us sleep because many times after we receive a seed, night comes. Can I talk to somebody? It gets real dark after you get a seed. I wish I could talk to somebody. God will tell you things are going to go one way when you get the seed and the life will go a completely different way after you get that seed. And so God says, I'm giving you the seed so you can rest at night. The night comes to try us to see if we're willing to keep that word in the ground. Y'all hear what I say? See, the night comes to see, am I going to dig that word up? Amen. Or am I going to keep it in the ground? Am I going to allow the dark to dig up my word? Y'all, I'm going to let it get dark to see if I'm going to allow the dark because God said I was healed, but then the dark made the sickness get worse. And so now if I can sleep while it's dark, now glory, then I won't allow the dark to dig up the seed. And if now the seed stays in the ground, it's just a matter of time before it's released. Glory be to God. But I'm here to tell you right now, after you get a seed and it gets dark and you allow that, that darkness to dig up that seed and you begin to question, did I hear God? God was wrong. Uh, God, is it really going to happen? Maybe I need to do something else. You allow that seed to get dug up by your darkness and that seed, that... That word manifesting is as good a chance as a carrot seed you put in the ground on Monday and dig it back up on Wednesday and say maybe it wasn't really needed to be planted right there. It cannot come forth because it didn't stay planted. I'm here to ask you, what did you let the darkness dig up? What is it that God told you that you allowed the darkness to dig up? What is it that God told you that you allowed contrary winds to dig up? What is it that God told you? What are you still asking when God already gave you a seed and said rest? Is the seed still in the ground? Come on, is the seed still in the ground? Come on, God said he transformed you. And you still fighting with what he promised to transform you out of. Is the seed still in the ground? God told you he was bringing your baby home. And your baby's still out. Is the seed still in the ground? God told you that your marriage was going to bless through ministry in such a way through your love as a husband to a wife and a wife to a husband that you're going to bless families through your marriage. Is the seed still in the ground? Because if it's not in the ground, it has as much a chance as happening as me holding an apple seed in the palm of my hand saying I'm going to get an apple out of it. I can't plant it and dig it up. Everybody say sleep. sleep. We must sleep after we get the sea, or in other words, rest in the goodness of God. If we sleep in the night, y'all follow the text. If we sleep in the night, we'll always rise in the day. And should sleep and rise, and should sleep and rise night and day. And the sea should spring up. I'm going to say that again. If we sleep in the night, we'll always rise in the day. 
Everybody see that? Personal triumph always becomes public elevation. God, I hope y'all get that. When you, because a seed, if it's still there, see, people come and act like they still got seeds they still ain't got. People come to church, we come to church and become professional actors with faith. We, we love how to act like we got faith. Amen. Because that's what religion teaches you to do. Come in here and sing and dance because you believe God and get hyped up. Amen. But only God knows if the seed is still really there. If there's real, a, really a legitimate expectation. Is there really a legitimate belief that what you heard God say in your ear, he's still going to do? Amen. And so now what we got to understand is personal triumph. There must be a personal triumph. Amen. That seed is in my ground. I still believe God, but I'm just, you, your butt dug it up. Amen. Do you understand your butt dug it up, but I'm just feeling like this and it shouldn't go like this. I still believe God though, but your butt dug it up. Amen. I know God is going to do it. I just need to hear something. No, did, did you hear he was going to do it? Right. Come on. Amen. Once the seed is planted, it needs nothing else but not to be dug up. And eventually it's going to come forth. Everybody following what I'm saying? Personal triumph always becomes public elevation. Never think faith is public, it's personal. Because we know how to fake public faith. But faith in its real reality must be personal and private. It's between you. When you really believe God, you can't stop singing by yourself. God, you'll sing all night long. You'll praise in the morning, afternoon, and evening. You'll seek his word day and night. Glory be to God. If there, there's something personal that with faith. If most of my faith is exercised in public, I ain't got faith yet. That's not how faith works. Faith, hope, and love. Faith is something that's personal to me. Glory be to God. I'll be honest with you. When people don't believe God is personal with me, I get offended. How could you not believe a God that's this good? How could you question this God? Amen? And I have to, I have to let God deal with me because I got a problem with that. I wake up in the, every morning never depressed. Do you understand? I couldn't wake up a morning without being depressed. I couldn't go a week without at least spending two straight days in the bed without speaking to anybody. Maybe it happened every week or every other week or maybe at least once or twice a month. Amen. At the best. And now I wake up every morning singing to the glory of God. I used to be the last one getting out of bed, and now I'm the first one getting out of the bed because of the goodness of God. See, a lot of you think you're living like that, but you're living like that because you keep on allowing the enemy to dig up seeds, and it's hard for you to get up when it's not no longer there. When that thing that you said you were believing ain't really there, you have no fuel. You know how you make sure you keep your darkness from digging it up? By being thankful. My God, I bless the Lord at all times. Tell God, thank you. I promise you, the darkness won't dig it up. Lift your hands up. I promise you, the darkness won't dig it up. Sing the praises of God, and I promise you, the darkness won't dig it up. Yes, 
Now look at this. And should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. I'm trying to help you understand something else about the kingdom. I'm going to read it again. And shall sleep and rise night and day. He's talking about the nature of the kingdom. Don't miss this. And shall sleep and rise night and day. And the seed should spring and grow up. It should come forth, but he don't know how it happened. We'll never be able to truly release the kingdom until we embrace the fact that God wants us to do stuff that we don't know how it was done. The kingdom wants to work through us in a way where we make things happen without even knowing how we made it happen. Do you understand that God wants you to say yes to doing something you don't even know how you're going to do it? God wants you to say yes to doing a work and you don't even know how it works. Paul walks down the street and while he's walking down the street, his shadow heals people. When we get to the table, ask Paul how he did it. I don't know, but I did it. They would literally, he went to another, do you understand that Paul did greater works than Jesus? Y'all know that, right? He actually fulfilled the greater works. They had to touch Jesus. Amen. It got to the point with Paul where his shadow healed folk. They were literally, Paul would preach, and the armor bearer would run and grab Paul's towel because there was a woman 30 miles down the road that was paralyzed, and they knew that if the sweat that was on Paul's towel touched the woman that was paralyzed, that she would get her feeling back. Ask Paul how he did that. He entered into greater works because he understood God wants me to do stuff that I don't know how to do, but I'm still going to do it. The kingdom cannot be operated by people who think they got to know how to do it to do it. That's why we can't do kingdom because nobody wants to do anything in church but what they know how to do. I'm good with money, so let me count money. I'm good with people, so let me usher people. Right? I'm good with hospitality, so let me work with the hospitality. I'm good at cooking, so let me cook all the food. The problem is the kingdom is like something that happens that we don't even know how it happened. We're so caught up into doing what we know how to do that we have now disqualified ourselves from releasing kingdom because the kingdom will never be released by people who will only do what they know how to do. It's when a people says yes to doing something. I don't even know how we're going to do this, but this is what we're going to do. I don't even know how this is going to happen, but this is going to happen. And because we did that, now watch this. Look at what happens. Look at what happens in the church. Can I give you a perfect example? We came in this church, and God, I pray for the people that were affected by the storm. Don't get me wrong. Amen. There were still a lot of people affected, and we need to take some responsibility for that because God actually gave us influence with the storm. 
there were people that still flooded out, so forth and so on. We sat here on Tuesday night, said by this time tomorrow, it was a Category 5, it was supposed to be the worst storm ever to hit this area. We sat up in this church, and we said by this time tomorrow, the winds are going to significantly drop. And then we also said by the time it gets here, it will at best be a glorified thunderstorm, right? Even after that actually happened, people don't believe we did it. Even after it happened, some of you still don't believe we had anything to do with it. Why? Because you don't know how. Because you actually think we're just supposed to do stuff we know how to do. I don't care that I don't know how to do it. We did it. No, the storm didn't just go down. We did it. How did you do it? I don't know. I just did what God told me to do. And we still don't believe it because our hearts are so hard. We actually think it just happened to change from a Category 5 to a thunderstorm. Really? In a matter of 24 to 48 hours, you just think that happens? You got more faith? It takes good faith. Man, that's, it takes a high level of faith in the flesh. To not believe after you heard us say it. And it happened. Amen. Amen. Why don't you believe it? Because I can't explain it. But the kingdom of God is like a man who sowed a seed. And went day and night and day and night. And that seed finally came to pass. And he don't know how it happened. But he knew God told him to plant the seed. He knew God told him to say the prayer. He knew God told him to lay hands. He knew God that told him to speak to the storm. I don't know how, I just did what I was told to do. If we don't ever embrace doing what we don't know how to do, we'll never do any true works. There's so many people that are willing to work for God, very few that are willing to say yes to doing the works of God. Amen, why? Why? Because in order to work the works of God, I must commit to doing a work in which I don't completely know how it's going to work. Amen? Only please hear this, y'all, because we're going kingdom. I'm telling you right now, I'm going kingdom. And I'm not going to be ashamed of that testimony. I know people, a lot of people look at it. But, but I expect earthly people to look at that. Because they actually have more faith in the forecast than they do in the Bible. See, our, our problem is we don't understand what Jesus said the deficit would be when he came back. He did not say when I come back, will I find anybody with money? He did not say when I come back, will I find anybody going to church? He did not say when I come back, will I find anybody singing songs? He did not say when I come back, will I find people still going to witness for Jesus? He said, will I find faith? Because we have so redefined faith because we haven't been willing to walk in real faith that we don't even recognize it if somebody put it on a plate and served it to us. What is this? Calling those things that be not, what is this? Praying to do something I don't know how to do, and it actually has, it actually got done. What is this? We wouldn't know faith if somebody cooked it. Well done. Put it on a plate and served it to us. What you trying to feed me? Because we so dummied it down to stuff we know how to do. When true faith is when fruit comes out, I don't even know how. I don't even know how it happened. All I know is he told me to sow the seed. And rest. Hmm. 
He told me to sow the seed and he said he was going to turn it around. He told me to pray the prayer and he said he was going to bring my child home. I don't even know how my child ended up back home. All I know is he told me to pray for my son and prophesy. So we don't expect to do what we don't know how to do because we don't understand that's actually what the kingdom is, doing what you don't know how to do. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to say this, and I'm almost done. We we don't make kingdom impact by know-how. Right? Y'all know that, right? We don't make kingdom impact by know-how. Everything you're doing for the church that you know how to do may be helping to a degree, but it's not making kingdom impact. Kingdom impact is only when we do when we don't what we don't know how to do. Amen. If I'm only willing to do what I know how to do for God, I can never be a gateway through which thy kingdom come and thy will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is not released by know how. You cannot release the kingdom. You can only build the kingdom of man by know-how. You can build the kingdom because you can't birth it. You can build a kingdom of man because you can't birth the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is not built, it's birthed. Because the kingdom of God is with. You ain't going to build it. You don't build something in you. You birth what's in you. Amen? But it takes faith to do that. So, so this is what I need you to understand. The kingdom of God can only be brokered from the spiritual world into the natural world by people of faith. If you're not a person of faith, you cannot in any way release nor broker out of heaven things into earth. You can do earthly things for heaven, but you can never actually bring heaven into earth. Amen? The kingdom of God is released when we fully embrace something coming to pass by doing something naturally that doesn't seem like it can initiate something supernatural. All kingdom citizens must operate out of a faith factor. Come on, you you always seen the story, the the the, the series Fear Factor. There, there must be a faith factor if we're going to actually have kingdom impact. We can we can cook dinners. Um, we can do concerts outside. I saw them on the square doing, doing services now. You know who the first one to do that was, right? Amen. But God has moved on from there. Amen. You can do whatever you want to do. Amen. And actually have some influence. You can have a write-up in the newspaper said, look at the good they did. Right? It makes no kingdom impact. It makes none whatsoever. It doesn't declare God. It just says you want to do something good and you're just like everybody else that made a donation. Right. You're just like everybody else that gave out a book bag. My problem is what would Jesus do wouldn't be to hand out book bags. Amen. What would Jesus do wouldn't be to cut somebody's grass. What would Jesus do wouldn't be to call Channel 19 News when I do something great so you can put it on the news and everybody can find out how great I am. Right. It doesn't make any... We would rather have human influence than we would, we would have kingdom impact because we went so long without faith, we think human influence is kingdom impact. Human influence, being influential to man is not kingdom impact. Kingdom impact is when, we, when people walk away saying, didn't our hearts burn when that man preached? 
Kingdom impact is when we begin to sing and worship in here and people begin to break at their pews because the power of God falls on them and they're convicted of their sins and want to transform their lives. How did that happen? I don't know. I was just singing. I was just singing. Do we sing? You should sing expecting that. We're supposed to praise expecting that. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know I heard God say that somebody is going to get a suicide spirit delivered off of them. I don't even know how it's going to happen, but I fully expect it to the degree that I'm going to get on the mic and say somebody was thinking about committing suicide. But I'm here to tell you, God just told me to tell you that you shall live and not die. And then somebody in the, the audience breaks and, and they begin to weep and come back to God. How did you do that? I don't know. That's kingdom impact. Not giving 10 steps of what you do when you start having suicidal thoughts. We would. So now God says this, elder. When someone is sick in the church, call the elders of the church and have them go lay their hands on the sick and the sick shall be healed. How many of us call the elders when our children get sick? Why not? Why don't we as elders get mad when don't nobody call us? <laughs> don't just tell them, we ain't just putting it on the people, we put it on us too. Why are we offended? Because now one of us believe it. <laughs> Nobody, none, none of us actually really believe that. We don't believe. Why? Because we can't explain how it happens. I know how the fever went down if you get Tylenol. But I don't know how the fever's going to come down if I just come and lay hands. So go do what we know how to do because I don't have enough faith to do something. I don't know how it's going to happen and expect it to happen. This is what God is inviting us back into. I don't know how your baby's fever is going to be broken. All I know is God told me as an elder to come and lay my hands on your baby and they're going to recover and we're going to believe it and it's going to happen. Can we get back to, I'm here to announce to you right here and right now, we're going to believe God again. God is calling us back into a grace where we work the works of God. There's a lot to shifting. I'm here to tell you right now, we're about to enter into a whole nother level in a dimension as leadership. And that's why I've been sitting because I have, we have a leadership team that knows how to do a bunch of doing but don't know how to do any devotion. So if you're doing without devotion, you don't have divine impact in what you're doing. Because your devotion is what feeds your doing to have divine impact. And so I want to do because I really ain't got a heart to be devoted. And so we're not doing anything. But yet, leaders are finding everything to do. Why? Because I know how. Do you understand we really ain't done nothing all year and all this came down in our house? All this has came down and folks still trying to figure out something they know how to do. 
Because we don't understand how to sit still and understand God is making us something. God is changing something on the inside of us. God is bringing us into a reality where we can walk in true faith. I would rather busy myself. I would rather be a Martha and then sit at Jesus. I'd rather serve people when Jesus is here than actually listen to Jesus himself. Jesus is here. We've been experiencing the presence of God like never before. And you still have people running around saying, what can I do? My God, get an impartation of devotion. Do you know how many things that God has for, for Glorious Remnant Revival community to do that we're going to start doing? We're about to up the ante a lot. But it's not going to be with the people that know how to do a lot of stuff. It's going to be with the people that have great faith. Amen. Amen. We're doing this transition service, and we're going to finish this sabbatical year. We ain't going to start working until next year. Amen? Maybe. It may take two years for some of you, you to stop filling your schedule up and actually learn how to labor for the Lord. Amen? Without him on us, we can't do nothing. What we're doing is in vain. Amen. What we do in secret, that's how we have open impact. Y'all know that, right? So I, if we actually want to have open impact, we need to figure out more times we can do stuff without people seeing us. Right? So the, the way to public influence is actually secret devotion. As much as that's true, we don't know how that works. Do we? So what do we do? We do what we know how to do, publicize. Thank you, Lord. Because we know how that works. What if we really begin to embrace the word? Can y'all see it? Amen. You understand this thing? This is what's on the heart of God. Because we're in a glory that gives us permission to live like that. Yes, Where you can call the elders and you ain't got to worry about your baby dying. Amen? Amen. That God is really going to move. Where you can, as an elder, can actually go lay your, why? Because that's good seed. Right? Amen? Amen. These are the things we're going to begin to enter into. Amen? And I, I, I need us to be confident in them. But I failed before. I've tried to do those things and it didn't work because we did it out of giftings and lack of devotion and performance. We never did it out of presence. There's a presence on us right now. Thank you, Amen. Amen. I'm closing. The kingdom of God is not about doing what you know how to do. It's about releasing what you don't know how to do. We can release mysteries when we're willing to believe mysteries. Thank you, Lord. I'm saying we can actually release mysteries when we're willing to believe mysteries. There's nobody that can't tell me we didn't stop that storm. Amen. Amen. And you and, and if you can't believe that, then the next one, because you don't know how to do it, you're going to think you're just going through the motions. But you're about to see the hand of God. Right. God is about to testify that he is a very real, tangible God that it intervenes in everyday life. Supernaturally. Right. Verse 4, 
Mark 4, verse 28, for the earth, watch what it says. Go to verse 28. You can do it on the, on the, you can do it up here. Watch this, Mark 4 and 28. Mark 4 and 28, for the earth bringeth forth fruit. What? For the earth, I don't know how because it do it itself. So you telling me the man putting it in there ain't what made it grow. It's what the man put it in. Faith. That actually, in other words, heaven does it. It just needs our participation. Y'all know that, right? Heaven actually does it. He just needs our participation because he wants to be glorified through us. Do you actually really think Moses lifting up a staff parted the Red Sea? But he wouldn't have parted the Red Sea if Moses wouldn't have lifted up the staff. For the earth bringeth forth the fruit. I just need you to participate. Do you actually think David Stone killed the giant? Really? If David would have hit the the giant with a pebble, he would have died. Because God killed the giant. He He just killed him when David hit him with the stone. When the stone hit, God knocked him down. And a lot of people think I'm making that up. How in the world did he fall forward then? He gets hit this way and falls this way. Because when David's rock hit him this way, God smacked him in the head that way and knocked him down and walked away. All he needed was David's participation, but he brought it forth. Y'all actually think he can't stop storms. We didn't do it. He did it. He just needed our participation. Glory be to God. You don't knock down a giant with one. Everybody think David was just so strong. He was just so good with the slingshot. It wasn't the, he wasn't good. If he would have hit him as hard to kill him, wouldn't it have knocked him back? He fell forward. Because God came behind him and smacked him in the back of the head. I just needed David to hit him with a stone. Because that's my next king. He's good and he's ready to exalt us. But we got to participate in a way the world can't participate because they don't have faith to know there's a God that intervenes. 